Hey y'all, welcome back to the Power and Lifting Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. Today, me and Chris talk about peaking, tapering, how we tend to peak and taper our athletes, and a little bit about cutting, who we think should be cutting weights for competitions, and some insight on um, our client stories about cutting for competitions. So it was a good conversation. I really enjoyed it. I hope you love it. Please, if you're watching this on YouTube, press subscribe so you can know whenever we are dropping a new episode. And if you're on Spotify or Apple, please do leave a rating. And if you're on Apple, leave a five-star review and an actual written review. Very helpful to help us get the podcast out to more people. All right, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. All right, y'all. Back is me and Chris D. We're going to talk about some stuff. Lots of stuff. The good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) How you feeling? How is it in Cali? What's the weather like over there? I mean, it's nice. Uh, it's getting a little cooler and I kind of am ashamed to admit it when it gets below like 70 and I start complaining. I'm like, this is so cold, especially uh, since I'm from New York. Wow. You know? Yeah. You, like, suck. You, you would think that I would be used to, you know, negative degrees and freezing weather. Um, and then, yeah, it goes under 70 and I'm like, nope, too cold. Not for me. Your body um, adapts though. Like when I lived in Virginia, like moving to Jersey was so hard because it was just colder and hotter. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. And then I go back to Virginia. I'm like, if I'm there for like more than a week, all of a sudden I'll start the week like cool, like fine. And by the end I'm like, oh, it's kind of cold. Like I just feel like it's cold now. I'm like, it's yeah. Is it snowing yet? No, no, not at all. It's no. like nice. Like it's like 55s. Oh, really? For some reason. And then at night it does get cold. And today yeah. there's like wind, so like it kind of feels like 45, but we've had some nice, nice days. And then like two weeks ago, it was legit like 70. We're like, what's happening here? Is this is winter coming? I don't know what's going on here. Know. We have <laughs> a blend of fall and summer weather. Yeah, right. Oh my god. But then nighttime is winter. Nighttime is totally winter. Like <laughs> that's how it like because California is more um desert, so it's always hot during the day. And then the second that the sun goes down, it gets into yeah, like 40s and 50s. And it's such a drastic change. It's like 80 degrees during the day, 40 degrees at night. It's like that awkward, like, wear a jacket around your waist, wear boots yeah. for later, but like maybe wear sandals. and a sand- Bring your sandals and a bathing suit and your winter jacket. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So we're going to talk about um, some basic methods for peaking, tapering, and then go into who we think should be cutting for meats, and then what kind of cuts there are to do for meats. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So I did start the last time with an answer. So it's your turn to start. When it comes oh. to peaking, <laughs> what is like your basic typical method for peaking? I'm gonna give you like I want to be like a newer athlete who's maybe doing their first meet and you're kind of like doing their first ever, you know, peak and taper for a meet with them. Yeah. Um, so if they're, if it's the first meet, so you're still trying to learn the athlete. Um, so I would usually keep it more, I guess, traditional. Um, so for a peaking phase for me, usually what that entails is 
more comp specific. So you're getting rid of um, not the unnecessary, you know, um, accessories that are basically just going to generate unnecessary fatigue. So you're going to keep it super specific competition, squat, bench, deadlift. Um, and then from there, you know, obviously we have to practice your sport. So you'll be doing mostly singles, right? And so um, usually I, I would say that most coaches would do something like, you know, working up to a single at a certain RPE or a certain weight um, and then doing some back offsets just to get in a little bit of the volume. Um, and so usually I would say a peaking specifically, I've usually about like six weeks, give or take would be like a good um, phase uh, term. So we keep the intensity high, uh, very comp specific. Uh, and then with the goal of just on meet day, you know, readiness. So being ready come meet day. Uh, so with the peaking kind of like the week of a meet is where there's what we call the taper and I think mm -hmm. you know a lot of um coaches have kind of different strategies but overall um kind of the same where there's usually a drop in volume um I used to do a drop in intensity as well but I've kind of changed my mind over the past couple of years where I'm keeping intensity pretty high so probably you know 80 to 90 percent even you know five days out and you're working up to a heavy squat or a heavier bench um, and then dropping the volume. So you're pretty much doing mostly singles with little to no back off work. Um, and I find really good results with that, even just with um, the heavier lifters, especially. Um, just because they can generate so much fatigue with some of the back offsets. So usually kind of like that taper where you're just focusing on intensity can be really helpful. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Agree with what you're saying. So for me, when it comes to peaking, I'm going to give myself the same avatar. I'm say avatar. The same avatar. New York person yeah. doing their first meet. Um, so we're still figuring out how it works for them. Now, overall though, like, you were saying keeping it really comp specific, but in general, I'm like, we are already squatting, benching, and deadlifting. It's already like the whole dang season, quote unquote, because yeah. there's no off and on season, is really comp specific. So I may make sure like there's some slight adjustments when it gets to the actual peaking phase if I need to adjust the accessories. But for the most part, I'm not really adjusting the accessories because we're kind of doing like if the last block or the last few blocks we have like really consistent um yeah. upticks and like they're clearly getting stronger and stronger um i'm really just changing like the repetitions obviously we're doing way more singles duh yeah. we have to do more singles for sure and then we're probably doing a lot of working up to a single and back off does depend on the person sometimes ascending for like secondary day or something like that but and maybe even doing more than one single week on bench press depending on the actual athlete i have a lot you know i have all women um, a lot of them are lighter weight too sometimes they just need like two singles a week um, but overall, it's very specific to doing a lot more singles, lowering the overall rep ranges slightly on accessories, like not by a ton. And especially when it comes to like the main accessories, like really important stuff, like maybe like the belt squat or like dumbbell chest press. Like, I might keep the the repetitions exactly the same. It might be like 10 and 12. Some of my athletes need like just high 
repetition. So we don't even change yeah, it. Yeah. So I'll just change it for like the stuff that doesn't really matter. Like, okay, calves, if we do calves, like biceps, shoulders, tricep, um, I'll do that. Um, as we are building up to peak, most of my athletes, the peak and taper, the whole thing is five or six weeks. I have some people who do seven, but five or six weeks. And so you are building up week to week to get that strength, building up the numbers and the actual load. And then when it comes to the actual taper, um, pretty much two strategies here. It depends on the person. If they are somebody who responds incredible, incredible on like their week four or five, whatever the last week is, and it's just like, boom, we are always like PRing every time, then that's when I'm probably going to keep it pretty much the same for that week. Like I might only take out the stuff that really means nothing, like literally bicep curl, tricep extension, <laughs> like that might come out, but I might leave in all of your accessories like yeah. for the entire like so if there's like we do 40 to training day four is going to be like comp day so it might be three days of like the exact all the same accessories everything um depending on who it is like i might have to peel back the the volume by like by sets but i want to keep the intensity the same most of the time um not all the time most of the time and then it's either that or we do an actual full-on taper week where you like a full block and then additional week of all right we're really pulling back like we're gonna pull back the intensity but keep the repetition still the same mm-hmm. and then we're gonna really pull back a lot on the accessories a lot and that depends on the person but I more so do that one I would say because I don't have as many people who can handle like okay we're gonna do the exact same regular week four and go into me like not change anything but yeah. it depends on the person like I actually mentioned in my really recent post because I had someone compete two weeks ago and I was like all right I've had this athlete for four years, actually, but she's done three meets with me in four years, one last year and then two this year. So we did the first meet this year or her second meet ever with me this year and training was phenomenal. I pulled back the intensity a little bit on week on the final like taper week and her squat and bench just like didn't show up. Her adult was perfect. And the thing with me, I couldn't figure out, was it nerves because she hadn't competed in literally a year and a half? Was mm-hmm. it was like we're not used to practicing like actual competition because you know it doesn't matter how much you do like okay I'm gonna give you a squat command like you don't used to having the crowd you know how that is so this meet that we did two weeks ago I wish I had made more changes but because the the training was so excellent she PR every block so I did a very similar taper and then we ended up I'll be transparent with the same result and I was like all right I have learned my lesson now that we have actually done two meets back to back. I literally cannot change anything. Like the intensity has to be exactly the same. Like she might even go for like a PR of higher repetitions the week of the meet. Could be we have her do like her secondary day on Monday, mm-hmm. which is like sets of six or seven on squat, and she pushes it hard. I'm like, I think I might have to do like RPE eight, like we normally do RPE eight point five, like a high volume set on Monday to have that fatigue that helps her on meet day. That definitely comes with like learning the client. But that's why I say like some people can handle like a full on taper and pulling back and some people need like a regular week of training without really pulling back much. Yeah. And using kind of the competition day is like your day three or day four training. Yep. I think I might've mentioned this on one of the earlier podcasts about, I had a client who, um, she was competing, um, and she's from Belgium. So she, um, the way that they, that federation it's kind of weird 
um, you have to do a certain number of meets a year. So it's not just like a qualifier. It's like, you have to compete this many times. So she had to do a meet um, just to qualify. So I was like, oh, you know, we're not really going to peak for it, right? You're just going to go in. We're going to use it as like another training day. And, um, you know, I was like, we'll just kind of, you know, keep it simple. Just we'll go nine for nine, right? Like keep it around RPE seven, maybe eight for like your thirds. Uh, and she ended up like hitting PRs going nine for nine and all those lifts like looked, you know, like she PR'd her deadlift. I'm like, you probably had another like five or 10 kilos in you like easily. So, um, and then like I had done a meet with her before where we actually did do like more of a traditional taper. Um, and she did well, but not to the extent that we did for this, uh, last meet. So I was like, all right, well, I guess, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of train through it. Um, and kind of keep that week or that taper week more of like, um, yeah, like a normal, you know, this is week four or five of your peaking block. Um, and that was really helpful, but again, it's not everyone, um, just some people for whatever reason, she seems to be able to handle, um, a lot of volume more so than other athletes that I work with. Um, you definitely said it on this podcast and isn't it the best when like you literally make a plan because you're like this this means inconvenience so we're gonna just do whatever and you're like oh my god <laughs> this is what we needed the whole time <laughs> yeah. yeah so that was that was helpful so yeah so when we um her next meet was like a world quality like championship so she um we didn't really taper for that we kind of just it was like her week four or five in that block and she did well. So we're going to keep it that way moving forward. I love that. How many meets do they have to do a year in Belgium? I want to say it's two. So it's like two plus worlds or, or euros, but I, I could be wrong. Um, okay. But I know that it's not just about qualifying and hitting a total. You have to compete multiple times makes sense yeah interesting yes very so I did find um so I actually wrote a post on this probably like almost a year ago now um and what the kind of the research says about tapering and so the one that um looked at was more of a review or a meta-analysis so it's kind of looking at all the available research and like pull it into to one article and like, well, what does it say? And so one of the things that it found is that the volume reduction in most cases, like I said, this the girl that competed was an anomaly um, is gonna be the most important factor. So you reduce volume, um, keep intensity pretty much the same. So again, like 90, 92% of your one RM. And then uh, the final session intensity would be around 70 to 80%. Now, this is just like a survey off of like what all coaches are doing together. But I kind of find that it's for the most part um, similar to, I think, how you and I would coach an athlete. That sounds about right. What's so interesting, though, is like, like even for myself and Brad tapers me, like we pull back on both. Like we pull back on the intensity. Like, like the intensity is like week one intensity. It's like yeah. straight up. Um, and like it works well for me because like I PR'd um my squats all year, bench for most of the year, except 
blast me because I messed up. And then like my deadline went well this year. And I'm like, I just need like a big pullback. Like I need like RP six accessories. And then like my day one squats stay the same, but like all my benches and my deadlift is like way, yeah, way lower. I'm I'm similar too, is I think I have to do a, a pretty big uh reduction in volume and some intensity because if I'm going for a PR, if I'm in the gym, it's such um I have to hype myself up. It's like, I got to be mentally in the zone. I can't just um, like walk into the gym and just kind of be chill and squat a PR. It's like, I got to like be yelling, not yelling, but like I'm in the zone. Right. And that's, that's for like mental energy. Yep. So like the week of the meet, it's like the last thing I want to do is try to psych myself up to try and hit these like heavier attempts. Mm. Um, so just mentally for me too, I think having like a nice, easy taper um is more just like from a psychological standpoint easier as opposed to like shit I gotta you know compete in five days and now I gotta try to you know work up to a heavy single and psych myself up to get there yep that makes sense too that's the thing people like also maybe don't always consider it's not just like the physical taxing but like if someone gets really like they have to really hype themselves that might change how you have to adjust your peak and taper depending yeah. on like if they're really extrinsically motivated yeah. um and we talk a lot about you know like reducing fatigue in training um but we're usually talking about like the physical or the physiological fatigue but we're also referring to the psychological fatigue and especially during a taper week it's like you want to you want to reduce as much physical and psychological fatigue that there is so coming into meet day you're feeling refreshed physically mentally yes. <laughs> yep I have other athletes too this um there's one athlete I really have in mind having for this one but it's also a couple a couple of my masters lifters mm-hmm. to do more more static training style where we really like majority of the year we don't really pass rp7 much we lost bench press like if we do a, a traditional like you know wave load where you go like six seven eight nine or five six seven eight like they'd be crushed for like four weeks after like the rpe nine week and so i have some of my athletes like that like we do a, a the same kind of static like block and then like big as drop off for taper week like yeah. rpe6 everything bench press is always different but squatting does rpe6 like everything pull back the intensity pull back the volume for all the accessories custom accessories down list i absolutely have to have it. and like we really gotta chill like yeah. <laughs> because if i don't do that like they're just shot and yeah. like that i find that so interesting too because i have a good amount of ma- like i think i was actually i checked recently i think like 40 percent of my rosters as masters and most of them masters too actually I think you so, said that before. Like, I feel like you've mentioned that at some point. Yeah. Um, but it's for the most part, I don't have to make many changes to your training versus my open lifters. Now, granted, my open lifters, I don't have 20 year olds, <laughs> like two. So most of my opens are in their 30s too. Um, yeah. but I don't have to make major changes for the most part. Like maybe slightly but a lot of women who come to me like especially the masters they come to me like hey like I know you work with a lot of masters athletes like and they're like what do you do differently because they think about working with me and they're like they want to know if I have something different 
And I'm straightforward. I'm like, you know, sometimes yes, need to reduce the intensity over the weeks. And that depends on the person. Like I do have someone who really can't go past RP7 most of the time. But like for the most part, it's very, very similar. It's very, very similar training. Like I'm still building up your intensity as much as we can, as much as you can tolerate. We still do accessory work. Maybe, maybe someone can't handle as much accessory work, but we're still doing a, a good amount of accessory work. There's nothing crazy different about yeah. it. Have you worked with women who are like premenopausal? I knew you were gonna ask that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a few right now because you are going through menopause. Uh, yes, I had have a, a lady who was for a while and it was a struggle because a lot of times like what they'll prescribe to women in those situations is like TRT, right? But if you're USAPL, powerlifting America, saying, lifter, nope. like you can't take that. And so she was really struggling because she was like, I, you know, I can't take it because she's taking lifting very seriously but she was mm -hmm. also because she wasn't was was struggling um and so and when that was going on it's like we did have to do a little bit more modifications yeah. than we would have otherwise but it wasn't so much age I think it was just like the stage of life where she's you know her hormones are kind of all out of whack <laughs> exactly yeah um the people who I had going through it either number one it doesn't heavy affect the training because they can really revolve their life more so around powerlifting because they're not working as much. So they're like, yeah. okay, they're on top of their sleep and they're eating and they wait till they feel best in the day to train. So yeah. I don't have to really change anything. I'm like, oh, so you're going to be at your best? Okay, well then I'm going to keep it the same. But like, I did have someone who like, they were like, yo, like I really feel terrible. And like, you gave me like RPH today. It's going to be a struggle. So like, we definitely do have to pull back intensity. And yeah. it's really like a lot of communication and like yes. I I give I kind of sprinkle any intensity as we can as much as we can when we can but just kind of knowing that like we gonna have to maybe week four will be RP seven <laughs> and that RP seven is gonna be lower than your last week's RP six <laughs> every once in a while I mean so it just happens yeah but that's rare but that's just like a, a communication thing you don't change the whole program off it it's like well do what's been working and just pull back when you need to yeah it's more individualized as opposed to like just a general recommendation yeah um so going into that uh what are your thoughts on making weight for a competition so yeah <laughs> uh I think you and I have both you have to weight cut right because you're as a 60 what are you I don't know when I ever 67.5 I don't know when I ever didn't need to weight cut like I think I've been weight cutting that first ever me I did not weight cut yeah. I was like eight pounds less anyways and then my second me I didn't weight cut but like I'm probably on meat like 20 and I definitely weight cut it every meet after the first two so do you still have to cut weight as a 67 like what do you walk around with normally I, I walk around right now this morning I'm on 55 um that Dang, we weren't supposed to see that number on Someone the scale. well uh, <laughs> it's called a week of not tracking macros and just tracking your protein yeah that's what that is <laughs> I not, I but, this week <laughs> in general I do like I do track the entire time like eight weeks of the competition I walk at 152 to 153 and my weight class is 148.5 did you walk around at that body weight when you would cut to a 63 no so I was same thing like two kilos over and then the second they switched weight classes 
um, me and my nutrition coach decided Your to like, body weight went up like 10 pounds. And like, <laughs> and I tell you, we started to bulk and in three weeks, my body weight went up like 10 pounds. And it was a wrap. I was oh like, my oh my God, it was crazy because I was like, I think my body's wanted this for years and I just never paid any attention to how my body felt because I just was so focused on tracking macros. I was like, I'm just going to track. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel that bad. I definitely like was kind of hungry, but I didn't feel bad. But I was like, yo, I feel amazing. Like literally 21 days, gained 10 pounds, never lost it. <laughs> so only gained more. <laughs> amazing. I remember, um, God, it's kind of crazy to think about that. I used to cut to 63 and, um, the first time that I kind of decided I'm going up a weight class. And so when I was 63, I think I walked around at like, so 63 was 138. I probably walked around at 148, 150 ish. Um, and then I had a really obnoxious cut that I would never recommend anyone doing. And we can go get into that after. I'm excited to hear about this. <laughs> And then uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before. Um, so I moved up a weight class, which at the time was a 72. So that was 158. And so I was like, I'm light. You know, I think when I weighed in at nationals that year, I weighed in. So it, the weight class was uh, 72. And I think I weighed in at 68 or 69. Like maybe it was like 68.5 or something like that. Um, but I was light. And so I was like, um, the after that was going to be world so I was like oh I'm just going to like stay really light I had a cut for worlds <laughs> of course <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and now I have to cut even as if I was a 72 I'd probably have to cut a little bit of weight I'm like oh my god <laughs> well do you have to cut now for 70 well 76 well, so year 69 for PA so uh which 69 is 152 and I walk around at one about one fifty, about one sixty. Okay, I'll get up to. I've gotten up to about one sixty five. Like I think last winter. I'm hoping not to do that again. <laughs> I love how you say you're hoping. Like there's no plan. You're just like I hope it doesn't happen. Giving <laughs> is coming up and Christmas, and I'm gonna go home and visit family. I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited this year. Like I think I'm not gonna track. For all the holiday season for the most part I might like literally track every single protein thing I eat um because I will get lazy with that every once in a while it's like no my, my training just yeah. tanks <laughs> but yeah I'm not probably not going to compete till next summer so and I've never had that long of a time off nationals? since like COVID that- I need to do something before nationals but I think I might do regionals which should be June-ish is um the Arnold's still going on or are you just not competing this it year? It is. I think I'm not going to do it for the first time. I'll probably still go. Um, I know they want me to commentate and then I might have some athletes doing it too. So it makes sense to still go. But for the yeah. first time ever, I go as a spectator and just <gasps> have fun and watch everyone lit. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do enjoy that when it's like you're not competing and you can just go and spectate. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, mistake I made. No, Do not recommend cutting weight during Thanksgiving. I had a meet in December one year. This was like when I first started um, and I was cutting weight to 63 and my meet was like December 11th or something like that. Like two weeks. (laughs) So I was cutting into 
Thanksgiving. So normally I'm like, yeah, you know, just eat whatever. It's it's one day, you'll be fine. Just enjoy your family. Um, but I couldn't really because I was two weeks out from a meet. So I'm sitting there weighing my freaking chicken or my yep. turkey and uh, I had to bring my own dessert. So I bought, um, oh, so gross, Halo Top ice cream. Yo, I hate Halo Top with all my heart. Oh, uh, with all my heart and soul. Good. I used to, um, when I was cutting weight, I'm like, this is so great. And then I bought it one time when I was just like not cutting. And I was like, mm-hmm. what the, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> gross. It's hilarious because we all had this phase. I used to eat it all the time. Because oh, I was yeah. cutting all the time. And then you're allowed to eat real food and you go back and you're like, what the hell was I eating? What was like- that? I would, um, oh my God, I made, um, this is like when I was like deep in a cut and I would make uh, pancakes with egg whites and vanilla protein. And that's like, just mix those two together. And then I would pour, um, it was like the Walden Farms sugar free maple syrup. And that yeah. I was like, these pancakes great yeah and when oh you're hungry God. all of a sudden it all tastes good it all, it's, like, it tastes it's fascinating phenomenal and then yeah having it like when you're not dieting I'm like oh this what was I thinking how did I think this I swear like your taste buds change when you're cutting I do I I truly believe it all my heart like you are deprived of like the stuff that you really want so yeah. you just all of a sudden your brain's like this is good now okay this yeah. is good if if you ever say Halo Top is good, I'm like, you're probably cutting. You're definitely cutting. And now we have Ninja Kami, so there's no excuse for Halo Top now. Like, yeah. <laughs> just go buy some Fair Life milk and some fruit. Uh, so good. So uh, would you, you wouldn't have all of your clients cut weight, correct? Nah. Like, very specific athletes who you would consider would benefit from cutting weight. So yes not recommend cutting weight for me so I always say who I don't recommend if it's your first me I always recommend do not cut um and I've only ever had one exception and I do regret that exception but <laughs> I had one exception someone came to me the whole thing was very hectic but long story short they were like three weeks out from me and begging me for help because their coach just kind of like dropped off the face of the earth. It was their first meet, but their numbers were ridiculous. And they were like looking to go to nationals and like place well enough to like be competitive at nationals. Cause yeah. they had just learned about the sport, but like they've been lifting for years. And I was like, oh, and she was like five pounds over the weight class where she would be really competitive. And so I helped her cut and we got there, but that was, that was rough. The whole experience was rough more so I took over their programming and then did that. That was crazy. But yeah. besides that, it's still kind of the same idea because I think unless you're going, trying to get into like nationals, trying to get in some bigger meet, um, trying to break like an American record or above, not state, American record or above, that makes a lot of sense to cut. Um, if that is not the case, for the most part, I would say don't cut. The only time I've helped somebody cut besides that for like, anything that was more so local is if they happen to just be extremely close to a class like extremely close like I had one client cut um both my clients actually cut for the meet this past meet right um the one that I had for years she does want to get to nationals but she's not quite strong enough for nationals but she's like four pounds over and like when we just like adjust the water but keep her calories like just as high she's fine I'm like okay like the next meet we are gonna see we can push for nationals like we can do this cut it's not anything crazy but besides that I really tried to like avoid it 
And I've had a lot of people come to me like, beg, like, please let me cut, let me cut, let me cut for the first meeting. I'm like, please don't cut. And if you're going to cut, don't ask me to help you. If you do it on your own, you're an adult and I cannot stop you. But don't ask me to guide you through it. Don't be texting me your weight the day of. Like, hey, I'm almost there. Like, no, 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 no. Like, please, please. I'm going to throw one person under the bus, though. I'm going to throw one person under the bus. My other oh. client, who competed two weeks ago, who was not the one I've had for years, it was her first meet ever, right? Mm-hmm. She hits me up like nine days out saying like I'm like what was it two pounds over or something and I was like I didn't even know you you cared about your weight like I didn't even know how much she weighed because I didn't care <laughs> it was her first yeah. meet and I was like okay two pounds okay you know what you're two pounds over and she already needs to get on water day I was like the day before the day before that's it I was like I'm gonna just have you eat she ate her regular breakfast and then we did like a mini gut cut, which is just like protein chasing nuts, but like regular breakfast, hit all the calories. The whole week before that, ate regular food, water, everything normal. Like nothing was crazy. It was just like have some protein shakes and nuts and see if you happen to make weight. And I was like, if you don't make weight, like I'm li- I'm not going to allow you to stress out over this. It does not matter. That was the tiniest adjustment ever. Her friend tell on her. She made weight. I get told that she was doing hot baths and spitting and blah, blah, blah. And she went in light. And I was like, I don't understand what happened. All I saw was have some protein shakes. This is why I don't like to tell y'all anything about cutting. Because you came to me. <laughs> and so I was like, really? Like, you really did all that? I said, just have some protein shakes. <laughs> I think people yeah. don't realize um, how. So there's obviously a big difference between like, when we say cutting, right? There's a lot of different ways that we can cut doing a, an official diet where you're dieting down over the course of several weeks. Um, there's like the water cut, which is probably a little bit more common. More recently, we've doing more of like a, a gut cut for the usually like, like 24 to 48 hours before a meet. Um, and then you get into some of these uh, kind of high risk um, situations where you're something like a sauna. And when you're in a sauna and you're sweating. So you're losing water weight and electrolyte sodium. So if you're in there excessively, um, and you're, yeah, you can drop weight, um, but you're going to leave there dehydrated. And I think it's like anything more than like 3% of your body weight. And even like, that's kind of a stretch. So like maybe 2% is where you start seeing reductions in performance. And so I don't think people realize that like, yeah, you can make weight, but there's going to be consequences and especially for USAPL powerlifting America, where there's only a two hour weigh in, you only have two hours to replenish your water and electrolytes, which is probably on in honestly going to take longer than that. So that's why the um, other federations that are 24 hours, they can probably do more drastic water cuts, mm-hmm. um, sauna, because they have a full day to recover. And you'll actually see a lot of them after they weigh in and they got like the IVs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that they're to, to rehydrate themselves because they're so dehydrated. Yes. So I think I, oh, good. <laughs> you got to kind of like, weigh. Is, is it worth it to do something like go into a sauna and drop I don't know, five, six pounds or or whatever you need, as opposed to doing something like, um, yeah, a gut cut where you just shit everything out. <laughs> and people don't understand, like the refeed process is so critical, just like you said. And like, 
the people I've I know many many horror stories of local meat people like I watched them as referee like they look like they are not doing great and I end up hearing they cut like eight pounds I'm like this person is nowhere near like you know your numbers aren't even good enough to like try for like a, a higher meat this is so your I don't understand you know what I mean or even second meat, meat. I'm like but like... why <laughs> did you cut eight pounds and like they don't understand like okay when I have an athlete going to nationals cut i i write out the entire protocol for after like you do need to understand how much sodium you need the electrolytes you need try oral packets are absolute for all my athletes if we're going to do a cut you need the pedialyte or the gatorade to go with it and then a certain amount of water i haven't drank i'm like you drink this much water and then you go take your carbs and then you go back to water and, you and, stop I, and i'll write out certain time you can't dr drink any fluids after this yeah and even i um when i would when I do water cuts with people, um, and it's not a lot, like I said, a lot of my lifters are probably more novice intermediate. So most of the time we're not doing any sort of real cut, um, but they're weighing themselves in the morning and at night. And that way we can track, okay, you lose two pounds overnight. So we know that if you go to bed at this body weight, you're going to wake up at this body weight. And then it's like, well, it, are we at weight or do we need to do something else? So it's like these it's crazy. And it's also stressful too, because especially with a water cut too, it's like a mental, I'm not going to say it, mind, whatever. I didn't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> Where like when I was, have to cut weight and I would drink like, uh, I think it was two gallons at one point, like leading up to the meat. So you're drinking two gallons of water. And like, yeah, you're peeing it out. But there was like one night where I was 148 pounds and I had to weigh in at 138. And I, I don't, um, that was just because I was like loaded up on water and I was so bloated. You could just like, yeah, tell. you see it. Like you like yeah, lost a bowling I, ball form in your stomach. And oh like, my wow. God. It was like, yeah, not cute. And I'm sitting like, it was stressful. Cause I was like, I know that, you know, it's, it's water weight. It's going to come off. But when you see that on the scale, even though you, you know, better, it's still kind of like unnerving. Right. So yes. um, it's just, it, it's added stress. And on top of doing, maybe you're doing nationals or a bigger meet <clears throat> and on top of that, you, or maybe it's your first meet and it's stressful. You know, you're nervous, you have nerves, you, you want to do well, you've never done it before, but then adding something like trying to cut weight and make weight and have it be this perfect weight at this certain time, but you can't be too low. Cause you don't, you know, it's like, <laughs> you don't want to be too far under the weight class, but just enough. And so it's like all these little variables that are just like not worth it in most cases. Yeah. People don't understand how much mental stress can affect you on uh. the day. Um, I like the amount of people who I've seen, like, you know, they want to do a cut even for nationals. Like I've had athletes who I'm walking through a cut and I decided next year you need to we need to either make sure you're at weight in advance or you're, you're just not gonna cut because the stress they had like I'm I'm on top of everything I'm like no just trust me but you know you get off the plane your weight might spike when you're because you're on the plane and like you're drinking your water and you're like oh my god I'm over and I'm like yes there will be days where like you're bloated and it's going up but there's a certain point where I need to drop down and we're not at that point yet but they're still panicking oh yeah I've had people literally say to me I got so upset say to me <laughs> during the cut like that I'm walking them through I'm thinking this person this person actually was an Olympic weightlifter um and I was still walking her through a cut 
she told me after she made weight, made weight perfect. Yeah, like earlier in the week, like my weight was going up. I literally told her it would go up, by the way, preface it. My weight was going up. So I started taking hot baths at night. This was during the water load phase. I'm talking like two and a half gallons a day. I'm like, so you took hot baths at night at the end of your two and a half gallon of water. To immediately get rid of the water we just put in your body. Is that what you're saying to me? Four days out, you're doing hot baths. Hmm? Four days out. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I got to tell my story. I think that I've probably shared on this podcast, but because we're doing about weight cuts, the last time that I weighed in as a 63 before going up a weight class, mind you, I went five for nine at the meet. Like I did not do well at all. (laughs) And I woke up uh, and I was like half a kilo over and um, weigh-ins were like starting in 45 minutes or something insane. So I'm trying to do the the uh, hot bath to cut weight. I'm spitting, but the water, so this is at an Airbnb and this was at um, the Arnold. And so the water just wasn't getting hot enough. So I'm oh. like, it's, it's, it's not going to do anything. So that's why I was like in plastic bags running up and down the stairs. I'm spitting. I, by the time I get to the Arnold and it's like, I tried to do my makeup, but the time, you know, I was sweating. So it was like all my hair, I was like coming down my face. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and I'm just like miserable, right? Like I was not fun to be around. I go and I like weigh in and I think it's like, 63.01 to 63.299 and I kept kind of like fluctuating and so like the judge is like just breathe out like the air I just have to get it enough where it like stays so I'm trying to like get the scales to like be under and finally it does and I'm like all right I made weight but I didn't do well so it's like and it was at the Arnold and it's not like the weight cut you know it's like uh at the time I think it was Wilkes scoring yep um so it didn't really matter the body weight because we were going against everyone in the class rather Mm -hmm. than each person and um in the in weight class it wasn't like a weight class thing so uh yeah it just like in hindsight I was like what it wasn't even worth it like I don't know why I did that (laughs) it's like and then you realize you could have just gotten up you know, ate some breakfast, came in. <laughs> I would have done better probably because um, I wouldn't have had to do this obnoxious cut. So all of the, you know, going five for nine at the lower body weight where I probably could have gone, I don't know, eight for nine, nine for nine, whatever. Had I just not, you know, had to do a whole workout before. And at that point, your will have been higher probably. Yeah. Uh, and I probably, yeah, I would have probably had a, a higher score. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, but um <laughs> oh athletes be on y'all if you're an athlete please be honest with your coach <laughs> just be honest with your coach especially if you are going through a cut tell them everything you're doing like please don't just randomly put on the trash bag and run around don't get in the dang bathtub four days out when you're water loading that's not the time for a bathtub like just <laughs> don't do anything <laughs> but talk to your coach and do it these way. That's all I have to say about that. Important, you know, the having communication with your coach, because as a coach, it's like, you've probably had experience with that yourself. So, you know, the like mental anguish that goes along with it. Um, But then you also have experience. So, you know, Hey, doing this like hot bath 
five days out while you're watering isn't going to be ideal and I think some clients might know that that's why they're hesitant to say anything. to tell you because yeah. they deep down they know that the coach or me I'm gonna say don't do that but the crazy thing is like as your coach I have your best interest in mind like first of all we've been through a whole prep together I pull my heart and soul into your programming <laughs> into responding to you every day all day why would I not want the best for you? So if I'm going to tell you not to do something, it's so that we can get to the result that we both agreed we wanted. And that's, yeah. it's, I feel like it's parenting straight up. It's like, you know, you have the chat rebellious child. You're like, I'm just trying to guide you so you don't get hurt. <laughs> you're, like, child and you're trying to guide them along the right path. <laughs> <laughs> because literally I'm like, and I do my best as well to let them know how the experience of a cut's going to go if we decide to cut. Like I tell them like the first few days of the water cut, your weight might spike up. Don't freak out. It's because you're loading up on water. And especially if you're adding sodium to load up as well, it's going to go up. I don't expect it to drop until about 48 hours out. This is the drop. Like I tell them all of that. It's like it helps with the nerves. So it's like I try my best as a coach to do that because I know not understanding the process, doing something for the first time and not having any idea how it's supposed to go is very unnerving. And that's when you start doing stupid stuff. Like not eating for most of the day, the day before when I told you exactly what to eat and when to eat it, the timing to eat it, how to weigh it out, everything. And they just decide to skip 75% of their food. Yeah. <laughs> just to then wait and too light. And then you're like, you know, that's one more thing I want to talk about. Weighing in too light unintentionally is not good. That's not good. <laughs> don't give yourself a high five that's not good one of the things that actually kind of bother me with the current rules is um people who total the same right but then they went on body weight and I don't like that rule uh and the reason that I don't is because I've had like clients do this um even just against myself where they're specifically trying to like weigh in lighter just so they can tie. And um, I hope I wish that they would be like, um, whoever has it first. So in order for you to win, you can't just tie, it would have to be like above whatever the total is. Mm -hmm. um, because there are athletes who will weigh in light for that reason. That is true. I will say though, at least they were trying to weigh in light. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. more so there's on a them. reason for it not accidentally yeah. weighing the, in like the accidental is like can be detrimental because you lost more water and sodium than you expected and do you know how to refuel and adjust the plan now because you're lightning you're supposed to be you do have to adjust that plan now i've had like, clients you need more sodium more water now <laughs> more in the past, <laughs> who were like at weight but then felt the need <laughs> they needed to do a water cut and I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, no, like, let's, let's not, you're fine. Because <laughs> they're at the weight, but like, what if I wake up and I, I gain a pound? Yeah, and they're and... so nervous. So they start water cutting, but then, or trying to, because their favorite lifter did. And um, yeah, and not like telling, I mean, they tell me that they're doing it, but not me giving them assistance. So of course I'm like, even if you're doing it wrong anyway. <laughs> yes. That's like, another thing. Uh, yeah. I tell people, I'm like, just let me know. If you're close to weight, like I'm I literally just push back my meal time. Like, do you know my eat till 8 p.m.? Okay, all week we're gonna eat till six and then stop. That yeah. normally takes care of it. I'm like literally, and then like maybe just whatever your water was, have a little less the day before, but like we never did a water cut. Just have a little less water the day before, call it a day. Like I don't know, people. 
<laughs> I was about to say something though. What was I gonna say? Dang, I feel like it was funny too. Oh, 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 oh my God. It's not even funny. You were talking about the body weight rule. Okay. So you were saying if you, whoever has, if you have the same total person with a lot of body weight wins, right? Do you know, I just, me and Steve Novi and Matt Garrett were talking yesterday because I just had Mandy Ogo on a podcast. She was six, 7.5 kilos at Raw Nationals, got fifth place, but she and Cassie Carlton both hit 200 kilos to break the American squat record. Okay, so Cassie went first, broke the record because she had the the right lot number. Mandy was after her due to lot number and he also hit 200 kilos. They gave oh, so the record to Mandy. She well you can't cuz it's squat. So like she put the number in already. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Mandy goes second hits 200 kilos. Mandy ends up taking the record. I was so confused. Because she Are you also confused? Yes. She waited. Yeah. I did not know that when it came to lifts, like individual lifts, not total, individual lifts, if you both hit the same number and it's an American record, whoever weighs in the ladder gets the record. I did not understand this. I had no, I thought it was very plain as day. The person who got it first gets the record. Yeah. That's what I thought. And literally all of us were like, what? And Steve was like, I had no idea about this. I think Matt, because Matt told me that's what it was, but he was also like, I'm still kind of confused though. But uh, I was like, what? There's certain like weird rules. Um, yeah, like I had, a, I came in third once. Well, because it was like total, but my Wilkes was higher. This was mm-hmm. when Wilkes was still a thing. I had a higher Wilkes, but the total was less since like, so it was just, I'm like, like, it's just confusing. Um, fortunately, I feel like that's not super common. You know, those are kind of like those once in a blue moon kind of situations where it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I think, yeah, like the, the body weight rule, I almost think it should be in weightlifting. Um, my understanding is that it's whoever hits the weight first. So if someone hits a, a total in order for them to win, they can't tie, even if their body weight is lower, they have to, you know, go above that in order to win. Um, and I kind of don't disagree with that. What are your thoughts? I really have never minded the body weight rule for overall taking the the total and the yeah. win. Um. And I understand some people might weigh in lighter for that reason, but I don't think enough people do that it makes a big difference. And I mean, like, I feel like more people are going to weigh in lighter when it comes to, like, dots meets. And this when we have, yeah. like, way less consistency and that gets on my nerves. But, like, as for, like, the body weight thing, I'm like, but you know your body weight from the very beginning. It's not a secret. So you adjust yeah. the plan and go from there. So for me, like, that one doesn't really bother me too much. But yeah. I do hear you, though. You're saying, like, and it does make sense, right? You want to beat the person by the actual weight you lifted like it makes logical sense it's just never bothered me <laughs> maybe I'm just salty about it because that's happened to me before <laughs> so I'm like ah oh, this is a stupid rule <laughs> no it sucks it sucks to know that like you hit something they come after you hit it same total and they win like it sucks like damn it Ugh. or like you know even watching like I got the sitco and Jess Butner, knowing that I know I got the sitco gets the record but Jess wins it's like, 
crazy. Like, like she got the record. Just came out after her, pulled the biggest deadlift that ever been pulled in IPF history at the time, which was was this world last year's or world? yeah worlds. That was worlds. That was twenty twenty two worlds. Yeah, and so Jess, Jess came out and matched her. Hmm? Right, Jess. She won twenty twenty two. Right, that's what I'm saying. I got to got the record and just uh, won, and they got the same total. Just came after her. Had to pull the biggest deal in high paper three to match her, and she won. So in that case, it's like you kind of wish like she like out you know out totaled her, but she didn't need to. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's cool, especially now how like much bigger powerlifting has gotten. When I first started, it was kind of, I mean, it's still a hobby per se, but I think people take it a lot more serious than they used to uh and so like the competitiveness of the sport has like increased exponentially and it's kind of cool to see I mean I love it because as a coach it's exciting like people care more about it more people in it so with more people come more people who can be more competitive in it and like even me like i I've never trained like, you know, huge name lifters, but like this past nationals, like I still had battles with my athletes who were going for like first place as masters. And like, yeah. it was so much fun because like they cared so much. Like we were like, you know, okay. looking at people's numbers in advance and like you get to do a little bit of game day scouting beforehand. Like it was so much fun because like they care so much. And then as a coach, like they're more willing to number one, invest in coaching because they care so much. Yeah. And then I have a job. And then number two, I get to have the fun of like scouting people and like playing around with numbers at the end for deadlifts and like okay like so we need to win like it's just yeah. so fun and you couldn't do that back then when there was less people in it and like yeah. yeah I think more stress now when I handle people as opposed to competing of course every coach I've ever met is more, more stressful, stressful to coach <laughs> yeah because I had to worry about someone else man not myself <laughs> and then you're watching like they're you know like get the squat get the, you know like, yeah <laughs> Where, like, when you're doing it, it's, like, I mean, you're thinking it, but, like, not in that way. It's, like, you know, your hype. I don't know. It's just, it's a very different feeling. It's different, and, like, it's so stressful. For me, third squats are so stressful, kind of, like, praying to Jesus Christ that I put the right load on the bar for them, <laughs> depending on how the day was going. And it's the best feeling in the world when they hit it, and then sometimes gut-wrenching when they almost hit it but they don't. And you tell yourself, like, if I had just gotten two and a half kilos left for them, that would have been perfect. But you thought they had a little more. And like, that's just probably being a coach. Like you are, you look at their training, you look at them and you talk about how they feel, but like you have to put a number on and it might be five pounds too much, literally more like one pound too much, but you had to take a five pound jumps, so, like one pound too much. And they just can't nail it. And you're like, Oh my God, I suck. <laughs> like, yeah, it's amazing. Well, and then people look, you know, they're like, oh, she did, she didn't do well at a meet. Who's their coach? What is their coach doing? And so it does kind of um, reflect on you, even if it wasn't, even if it was something that was out of your control. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that the, the, or especially sometimes the athlete, it might, it's easier to like place blame on, on the coach for whatever reason. It but, can be. I mean, I feel like that's more so people who don't pay attention to the actual meets. Like you can look yeah. at someone's history, but like if someone's just a really tough client, or even if it's more like they're a general everyday client who isn't mm -hmm. high level. And a lot of my clients, like they have full-time jobs and some of them have families and like they prioritize lifting, but not the number one thing. 
And so this like stuff going on with life makes it hard to predict training and the meat doesn't go like perfect. And it's like, that's more so like more inconsistencies in training. I was like struggling to even know what was going on with you. Like, Yeah. Life can be anything. <laughs> yeah. And that's like why I love coaching. Cause like I have a good, I have a good blend of like people who take it really, really seriously. Number one. And people who like love it, but they're like, but it's not above like, you know, my job. It's not above like, I, I got to spend time with my kids. Like, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. We done did it. We did it. <laughs> so thank you again for joining me. You have any last words? Do I have any last words? Just don't take a hot bath for days out from the meet. Go ahead. Any last words for you? I'm going to wait unless you absolutely need to. Yes, please. Do not, like, just have a reason. And yeah. say it out loud. That's all I'm saying. You know, like, if I say my reason out loud, my reason is literally, like, I'm competing at prime time at nationals and I want to place as high as possible. Say a reason out loud. If your reason is, it's my first meet and rust will cuts. Like, say that out loud and then listen back to it, you know, and think about what you just said and then go from there. <laughs> Oh, cool well thanks for having me i appreciate of it we'll do this again soon yes you will and y'all <laughs> catch you next time on the power and lifting podcast